Luke chapter 18. What is on the table in regards to following Jesus? What are you willing to sacrifice today for Jesus Christ? Is there anything outside where, you know, you think, okay, Jesus, I'll give you this, this, and this, but I got this one thing, and I really don't want you to know I have it, and I hope you don't call me to give it up because it's precious to me. It's something that I love. It's something that, that gives me identity. It's something that um, makes me feel complete. It's something that I just really, I sacrificed for myself, and, and it's something I just can't give up. Do you have those things hidden in your life, those things that you maybe just hope that uh, – that Jesus doesn't notice is lying around and calls you to give up. Now, if your mind went straight to possessions or finances, I want to I want to redirect you. I'm talking about things like pride. I'm thinking about your emotions. I'm talking about um, just just every aspect of your life. What what is on the table in regards to following Jesus? And I heard somebody say everything, and that's the right answer, of course. But what we answer and what we do are sometimes two different things. Now, we're going to read the account of the rich young ruler. Young and rich are usually two uh, describing words that don't go really well together. We've seen just in our own couple of generations people who have just uh, accumulated a lot of wealth and status and, and power and then just to watch them crumble and fall away as, as quick if not quicker. Um, this rich young man, um, he's going to meet with Jesus, and Jesus is going to challenge him. So if you turn to Luke chapter 18, verse 18, it says this, And the ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit in eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your mother and father, or, or honor your father and mother. And he, that's the rich young ruler, said, All these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? Jesus, he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Father God, we praise you. It is your word that is good. It is your word that we want to uh, be changed by, Lord. We don't want to change your word to fit us. We want to be changed so that we fit into the word of God. As we are challenged by this uh, account of this young man, I pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't just point fingers at him, that we wouldn't judge him, Lord, that we would see ourselves in him, that we would be challenged to, to, to recognize our own, whatever you want to call it, Lord, uh, sin or lack of, lack of following, Lord, whatever it is. May we see ourselves in this story, not just some person from thousands of years ago. And we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is a, uh, or excuse me, Luke 
the, the writer of, of this gospel has just gone through a couple of parables. And now he switches from parables. He's actually conversing with somebody who's been hearing these parables. I skipped over a little section for a moment. We're going to go back to it in just a minute. But this rich young ruler has heard uh, Jesus teach some stuff, teach some things that were very challenging. And he comes to, to Jesus asking, well, how do I inherit eternal life? If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've understood that this life is not the only life. That this life will one day come to an end, and that one day we will go either to live in eternity with Christ, ruling and reigning with him, or we will be eternally separated from him in a place called hell, where there is, where there is uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not, and all that. It's a place where we are completely separate from God, no more chances are left to exercise our faith in him, and we have been judged. Okay, um, And... If you've heard that message, I hope what you have heard is, wow, the latter sounds way worse than the former. I think that what I want is to inherit eternal life, not eternal damnation and hellfire and all that. Um, some of you may not believe in hell. I'll just challenge you to read the Bible and find out what Jesus says about it and all that. Um, but this rich young ruler, he wants eternal life, like most of us probably do. Right off the bat, you know, one thing that we read through this too quickly and we just miss, this guy's asking the wrong question. I don't want to be too nitpicky because as a pastor and a preacher, sometimes I can be, and it's, and it's, a, it's a fault of mine and something that I need to repent of regularly. Um, but this guy's asking the wrong question. Imagine you going to your grandfather and saying, Grandpa, when you die, what do I get? That's sort of a, a callous, selfish rude, um, just downright mean question, right? I mean, there are A, better ways to ask that, um, and, and B, I mean, don't you have a love for your grandfather that says, hey, I'm, I'm going to miss you regardless of the stuff I can gain from you? Essentially, what this rich young ruler said is, hey, Jesus, how do I get eternal life? Who cares about everything else, but how do I get eternal life? It's not that it's a bad desire. It's just the way he's asking. It, it's, it shows the intent of his heart. A man who already has everything is not satisfied. He's already rich and young and bored. He's already got more than his contemporaries, and yet that's not enough. And on the one hand, that's bad. But on the other hand, God uses that. See how God used that to bring him to his son. And this, this, this rich young ruler, how do I inherit eternal life? Uh, and he calls Jesus good teacher. And what's Jesus' response? Well, what do you mean, good teacher? There's only one who is good. This is an inference, if you will, of Jesus admitting his deity. You know, we believe that Jesus is fully man, fully God. Most people don't balk at the man part. It's the God part they have, a trouble, they have trouble with. Jesus says, you call me good, but there's only one who is good. So you should do the math in your head. If, if God is good and I am good, put those two together. Also, just... Not to be too callous, but it also reflects the truth, which is none of us are good outside of Christ. Once we know Jesus, we are, we are made whole and clean. Isaiah says, uh, the prophecy through him is that though our sins were like scarlet, chapter 1 says, uh, we'll be made white as snow. Praise God that when we come to him, it's not just a, a switch of a team affiliation. We are changed and transformed because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
His sacrifice for us changes everything. It's the only thing that changes everything. Jesus alone is good. And we, in and of ourselves, outside of Christ, not good. But we come to know Jesus, and he makes us good because he is good. We, we are changed because he's a changer of people. If you want things to be changed, if you want life to be different, it will only be found in Jesus. You can change habits. You can, you, know, you can change parts and aspects of your life. But if you don't have Christ in your life today, those will be futile. Even if you succeed in overcoming habits and addictions and things like that, you won't have Christ. You'll still be separate from him. And then we go back to this eternal, uh, this eternal separation from him that we spoke about at the beginning. There's no indication that this man has given his life to Jesus at all. There's no indication that he is what we would call saved. And that's okay. A lot of us, we were there, you know. We, some people I know came to know Jesus because they were afraid of going to hell. Hey, that's a start. You know, if you're afraid of going to hell, I don't blame you. I've read about it. It doesn't sound like a great place to go. Um, and so if that keeps you closer to Jesus, great. I'm not the kind of preacher or teacher that tries to scare you into heaven. I don't think that makes a true convert. It just makes somebody who's very frightful and, and timid. I'd rather, I'd rather you love Jesus for what he's done for you than be afraid of what he could do to you if you don't give your life to him. That doesn't seem like a healthy relationship. And so I'd rather you come to know Jesus, the one who loves you and has given his life for you, than, than scare you. Uh, by saying, by shaking, you know, hell in your face and saying, you know, this is going to be you. You're going to burn if you don't, uh, if you don't give your life to Jesus. To understand this, we've got to look at it contextually. We had two uh, two parables given. One was a uh, a persistent widow, who who Jesus used as a parable to teach us to pray and not give up. Um, and then. Right before this, he, he, he has this moment where the children come to him. I'm going to go ahead and read that. That's in verses 15 to 17, just a few verses. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called, uh, called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It's right after this that the rich young ruler comes in. He has, we can assume, and I don't want to assume too much, but we can, we can guess that he's probably heard at least part of this. He was around. Maybe one of, maybe one of his relatives were there with their children, and he came to gather to see you know, Jesus or something. And Jesus said, see how these kids come to me? They come to me simply because I'm, I'm Jesus and I love them. They come to me with a faith that you should emulate and copy because that is what gets you into the kingdom of God. This eternal life that the young ruler is seeking, we were just told how to get that. That's by having this childlike faith in Christ. I'm assuming, again, assuming is very dangerous, but I'm assuming that Jesus was fun and nice and loving because kids liked him. Kids generally, if they like somebody, they just, they, they just annihilate them. They jump on their head, they make them play games, and they, they love the company of that person because that person loves them. 
And if a person is kind of grumpy and grouchy and not very loving, a child will get the, the hints at some point and back off. These kids all wanted to come to Jesus. Yes, the, the, the adults were bringing them, oh, just touch my child and, and, and you know, bless our kids. But the kids wanted to be around Jesus. There's, this isn't the only time where Jesus has the kids coming around and they want, they want to be around him. So let that be a lesson. You know, we as people, we should, in the church especially, you know, let, if the kids are feeling welcome and comfortable, that's a good thing. That means that they feel comfortable here, comfortable enough to be themselves and to open up. And that's where Jesus meets people. That's where they're being vulnerable, and, and, and Jesus gets in through the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's side note. But the, the Holy Spirit is already at work, and this rich young ruler has either, maybe he missed this, he very well could have, or maybe he heard it and ignored it for some reason. Contextually, that's where we're at. Matthew and Luke both give this account. They both give it kind of in the same way. One thing that's added in Matthew's account that's not added in Luke's is that the young ruler at the end of this, he walks away. He, he hears this, this challenging word that we haven't even got to yet, and he walks away from Jesus. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and read that, and then we'll, we'll keep going. So Jesus told him, hey, follow the law. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. And he said, the rich young ruler said, all these I have kept from my youth. He's a liar. The Bible, if you read the Bible, if you read through all of the law that's mentioned in the Old Testament, impossible to keep. So impossible to keep that only one man has ever accomplished it. That's the man, Jesus Christ. And so for this man to say that maybe overgeneralizing maybe he has but honestly if any of us comes to this and says oh yeah I've done that I would just I would just challenge you to think about your life and think back to all the commands of God and see where you have come up short I guarantee you it won't take very long I don't say that to condemn you I say that to be realistic yeah I've I've dishonored my mother and father I've I've stolen and even if I haven't murdered in the traditional sense um you know, I thought ill of my brothers and sisters. I've, I've wished and had hateful thoughts towards them. And Jesus says that's that's murdering them. And, and maybe I've never committed adultery, but I've committed adultery in my mind by lusting after another man or another woman. And, and that makes me an adulterer. And so I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. James will go and say that if you've committed one uh, offense, you've committed them all. You're guilty of all the law. And so I don't believe this young man when he says that he has kept these since his youth. Um, I believe that maybe this is wishful thinking or just an overgeneralization of his life. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Do you have to sell all your stuff to follow Jesus? No. But could you? Is it outside the realm of possibility that Jesus would call you to do that? No, it's not. He could very well call you today to forsake everything, to just give up your job, to give up your uh, status, to give up your wealth, to serve him in some capacity. There are men and women you can go. You can go through uh, things like the Fox's Book of Martyrs. You can just go to a website uh, called The Voice of the Martyrs. You can read about people who have gone and become missionaries to these third world countries where – Nobody even knows how to speak the language. And what they do is they sell everything and they just go because they are so burdened by the Lord to give up everything and go and reach these people. 
Now, not everybody's called to do this. If I, if memory serves, I don't think Jesus says this to really anybody else throughout the Gospels. So this is not a challenge today for everybody to give up their stuff. My, my, my challenge or the challenge is to, to be open to what is Jesus calling you to do? What is it that you might be holding back today? What is threatening to make you walk away from Christ? It says that the, the rich young ruler, he, he went away sad because he had lots of stuff. It's almost like this rich young ruler is American. We have lots of stuff, right? And we want to protect our stuff. And we don't want anybody taking or touching our stuff. And we want to get more stuff. And we want to get boxes to put our stuff in. We like stuff. I love stuff. You know, I'll, maybe you guys don't like stuff. I like stuff. You go to, anybody here go to Target and they got that like $1, $2, $3 bin at the very front of the store? I love that part of the store. Why? Because it's stuff. Look, mechanical pencils that are Star Wars for a dollar. How are they making money? Like, and a notebook and a bag to put that stuff in. And, and I got to get another notebook. I've only got 12 at home that I got in reserve. I better get another one. Lucky number 13, right? I like stuff. You know? Oh, I need to go get – oh, look at this coat. It's beautiful. My wife will say, you have three at home. Yeah, but not like this one. And she'll say, no, exactly like that one. But the material's a little different. No, it's not. It's on clearance. So? Oh! I'm going to just frustrated. I like stuff. You probably like stuff too. And having stuff is not a bad thing. It's when the stuff has you. That's when it's a bad thing. When the stuff now causes you to develop a hoarder mentality. Some of us are hoarders externally. And and you can't walk through your house. And if you've, if you've ever seen the show, it's an amazing show, these people who hoard. But some of us hoard um, – it's not that we hoard an extravagant amount of stuff, but the stuff we have, we are holding on to it with dear life. And for some of us, it might be our wealth. And some of us, it might be our beliefs, meaning um, outside of Christ. I mean like our political beliefs or our uh, ideologies, that type of thing. Maybe it's our children. Maybe it's our spouse. Maybe it's our job. And we're just like, no, I will not give this up. Anything that has popped up in your mind during this sermon and it scared you a little bit, that's probably what the Lord is talking to you about. I can't, I can't identify that for you, um, and I don't want to. The Lord is better at that than me, getting to your heart and saying, you know what, you, you love this thing a little too much, or this thing's hindering you from doing what I'm calling you to do. I don't know what that is, but the Lord does, and he'll, he'll tell you that if that's there. One thing you still lack Notice that even if, even if the rich young ruler decided or, or was telling the truth when he said, I've done all the commandments, Jesus says, one thing you still lack. You can complete the whole law, one thing you still lack. That's following Jesus. You know, don't get caught up in the, well, I thought faith is how we get salvation. It is. Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say sell everything and that's it. He says, sell everything and follow me. Obviously, the stuff was hindering this rich young ruler from following Jesus. And we can see that played out. Yeah, it totally did. But even if you, if your mindset is, I'll just be a good person, I'll do the best that I can, and just hope in the end God forgets all the bad stuff I've done, I'm here to tell you that even if you were to knock it out of the park for the rest of your life and keep every command, all 600 plus of them, uh, one thing you will still lack. 
have I never murdered and I never stole and I and I and I, I honored my mother and father and I even kept the Sabbath. I, I stayed home Saturday and Sunday because I didn't know which day it was. Um one thing you still lack. See, that doesn't come or excuse me, that doesn't become the most truthful until you know Jesus. Before Jesus, it's like, well, I think I'm doing okay. I'm a good enough person. But then once you're challenged by the gospel, it's like, oh man, I, the Bible's right. I really, I really do break a lot of the law. I really do lack. I really do need Jesus. And then, then you give your life to Christ, and it's not like, hey, look, I'm perfect now. It's, it's man, I continuously need him. Oh, I lost, I lost my temper, and I blurted out all this stuff, and, and oh, I, 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 I lied when I should have told the truth, and, and I was dishonest, and, and oh, I looked at that person, or I looked at that thing, or my eyes were, were taken away, and I, and I, I gave myself to lust, or this, and, and oh, I just, I just desperately need Jesus, and the Lord takes that, and you find forgiveness there, and you find peace when he, when he forgives you in that. You find the strength to to carry on and then abstain from those things, to follow his commands. Maybe not perfectly, but, but our aim and our goal is to be that. We may never attain that this side of heaven, but that's still our aim and our goal, to be holy as he is holy, to follow as he is, as he is leading us. If you're trying to fulfill the law outside of Christ, you lack one thing, and that's Christ. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Um, who's rich and who's not? When, you, when, I, when I say the word rich, you know who pops in my mind? Uh, Donald Trump. Mark Zuckerberg. Ted Turner. Uh, Jimmy Buffet. That's a joke. Um, or excuse me, War Warren Buffet. But Jimmy Buffett's pretty. Uh, he's got the land shark thing going on. He, yeah. Vince McMahon. He's very rich, and he can wrestle at like ninety. Um, football players, right? Uh, basketball players. Oprah. It's it's hard to think about Oprah, but this is a good. <laughs> I mean, she owns like part of Africa and is housing thousands of people there or something. I don't know what she does anymore. Um, Bill Gates, he's floating on a, a, you know, a, a, a Star Wars-style island up above Seattle somewhere in a you know, mega-billion-dollar mansion. Guys like Jerry Seinfeld, very rich. Dr. Dre sold Beats by Dre for like a billion dollars. He sold headsets and made a billion dollars. It's rich, right? The Powerball winner? The creator of Shopkins is probably evil, but rich. <laughs> All the nervous giggling from the parents. Oh, God, I'm drowning in Shopkins. Um, rich, right? When we talk about rich in the Bible, it goes beyond an amount of money we have in our bank account. Um, Jesus, who calls this man wealthy or knows that this man is wealthy, was a man who walked around for three and a half years with 12 other guys with probably the same clothes. He would say things like, I have no place to lay my head. Taxes were due, and he would tell Peter, hey, go fish, and then you'll pull out the fish, and the fish will have your, a coin, give that to 
give that to pay your taxes. In that account, when they say, hey, Jesus says, hey, give me a coin to you know render unto Caesar, that account. But Jesus didn't even have a coin to show everybody. Like to do his to, to do his parable, he had to ask for a coin from the crowd. Wealth is measured a little differently by the word than by how we measure it. And and I look around the room, we are all very wealthy. Here's what I mean by that. We have friends and family who love us. Um, we have enough food in our pantry to probably feed us for a couple weeks, maybe even longer. Some of you are better at that. Um, we have cars. I live 10 feet from this place, and I drove. We have multiple cars. Some of you have snowmobiles or, or heavy equipment. Some of you have uh, guitars and multiple guitars. Um, we have video game systems. And do you remember Do you remember back in the day? Maybe I'm going to show my age right here. But do you remember where when VHS tapes first came out and you had to rent a VCR? Do you remember that? And sometimes it was two different contraptions that went together. Like one held the, the VHS tape and the other one was all the controls. And the remote control was connected with a wire. Remember that? And you were watching, you know, E.T. or something. And you're just like, oh, this is amazing. But now, like me, I have a, a Blu-ray player that's sitting in this storage thing that I can't get rid of because people won't even give me $5 for it. Like, yeah, I got three of those. I'm not going to pay you $5. I got three already. God, like that, that's, that just, that's just indicative or it shows where our wealth is and how, how blessed we truly are. I'm not calling anybody wrong for that. I'm just saying look at ourselves. What do we have? We have multiple outfits to wear on any given day, and we don't even know what to wear. We go to a fridge full of food. I don't even know what to eat. Just so much stuff. We are wealthy. So don't, don't hear Jesus say that and say, yeah, that guy. I realize this is us. We we don't want to become arrogant or cocky or say, yeah, that guy. We want to, we want to be real about this. Just, this is who we are. Now, are we Bill Gates rich? No. That guy can do whatever he wants. And Ted Turner Rich, you know, owns the Atlanta Braves and who knows what else and, and cartoons. I mean, he owns tons of stuff. We're not that kind of rich, but we are extremely wealthy and blessed by the Lord. And so let's not lose sight of that. And let's not remove ourselves from this account. Jesus' Jesus's response is, follow me. And then he says, it's extremely hard for the wealthy to give their lives to Christ. Because wealth has this ability of masquerading as, uh, as a savior. That's why 4 billion Powerball tickets were sold just a couple weeks ago. Because money is salvation to some people. If I just have that money, then, then life will be oh. Okay, no, it won't. We're going to read eventually the people lost all the money. They got ripped off. People came in with some sob story and they gave them money and it was not true. And they trusted the wrong people and they bought dumb stuff. And we hope that that doesn't happen, but wealth is not our savior. Jesus is our savior. The disciples rightfully, well, who then who can be saved? These are men who had walked and talked with Jesus for who knows how long at this point, but eventually it would be three and a half years. And the well, who's going to be saved? And Jesus responds with one of the greatest promises of all. What is impossible with man is very possible with God. doesn't mean all things will happen. Like some people take that and say, well, it's a guarantee to get what you want. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying with, with God things are possible. It doesn't mean you'll get your pony because you want your pony. It means, well, if the Lord wants you to have one, it's possible. If that which you're seeking is something that God wants for you, then yes, it's, it's possible. 
But if it's not what God wants, then, you know, the, possi the possibility is he's going to say no. And that's okay. And I'm okay with that. And the word is okay with that. And I hope you're okay with that too. But beyond that, Jesus gives an even greater promise to the disciples. The disciple Peter, Peter chimes in. Peter's always saying stuff. Hey, we left our homes. Is he right? Yeah, Jesus walked by and he was like, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they were like, sure. And they dropped their nets and left their dad and took off. I don't know what I'd do if my children didn't come home one day. They were like, where's Ethan and Ellie? Some, some Jewish rabbi said, hey, come follow me. And they went. What? Are you... Now, I'm assuming they're older in this scenario. If it's, if it's now, well, then we've got to call the cops. But... <laughs> But if they're older, like, why didn't they go to work? And they, well, they just, they followed this guy. You know, Peter and his brother Andrew, their dad was just watched them walk off. Peter's right. They did give up everything. They gave up house and home. They gave up whatever family they had. If there was any kind of relationships, those are gone. Any kind of wealth was left behind. Their trade was left behind. Peter says, we've given up everything. What about us? We did what the, you told the rich young ruler to do. We gave up everything and we followed you, just like you said. And he, and he said to them, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. The greatest gift we have is Jesus relationship with him, life with him, being changed by him, being challenged by him. I mean, that is the gift. But on top of that, I tried to explain this to my kids the other night, and they just couldn't wrap their heads around it, and I couldn't wrap my, heads around, my head around it, that on top of eternal life, on top of relationship with God, there is this promise that whatever we give up for the sake of the kingdom, not just give up, like, oh, I gave up this, you know, 46-inch projection television that I've had for 25 years. I gave it up, and God's got to pay me back. Like, nobody wants that TV. You're not giving it up. It's sitting on the side of the road. Nobody wants to pick it up. It's 900 pounds. It will literally kill somebody if it falls on them. But no, you know, I, I, I wanted to take this job that paid more and had more authority, but I took this one because it freed me up to go to church, to serve in my church, um, and that's what I'm going to do because I feel that's what God would want me to do. And in that, you're giving something up. And the promise is that if you do do that, that there will be a reward for those who do that. Is it wrong to do things for the reward? Not if the reward has been promised. If you are self-serving and self-seeking, then yeah, there's some sin there. But God has promised this to us. This, this frees us up. This gives us hope. This is, you know what, if I do go this way, if I do follow Christ into this place of less money or less stuff or, or less safety or less security, I'm going to be okay because God sees what I am doing and I'm doing it for his kingdom's sake and he's going to take care of me. So now fear is gone and hope is restored. Where is God challenging you today? This young man, very wealthy, was challenged to give it all up and follow Christ. And he didn't. He did the opposite. He walked away back towards his stuff. Maybe he came back later. Maybe he gave his life to the Lord before he died. We don't know, and we're never told what happens to him. But what about you? 
Where are you being challenged? Where are you finding your safety and security and you're scared God's going to take that thing from you? Your job is not your savior. Your possessions are not your savior. Your political views are not your savior. Your, your ideologies, the way you think life should be, is not your savior. Your wife, your children, they're not your savior. Jesus said there's nobody who's given up wife or children. It's on the table. I'm not saying God's telling you to do that. I'm saying that Jesus considers it to be a part of the bargain, the part of the negotiation. In giving you everything, he might call you to give up everything. He might not, but he might. Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, be vulnerable, put it all on the table, and see what the Lord takes from you? I guarantee you, if he takes it from you, it's not because he wants it and he wants to use it. He's not like a selfish God, like, what cool stuff do you have? Give it to me. It's a tax. It's not what he's doing. He's saying, see that thing right there? That's stopping you. That's the thing that's hindering you from following me. I want you to give it up. I think about Job. We sang uh, Blessed Be the Name this morning, one of my favorite songs. It quotes Job saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That man lost everything. And he didn't even know why. Like we get, to, we get the narrative of the story. Oh, because Satan is challenging God and Satan's an idiot. And, you know, and so he goes and tries to take everything from Job. We get all that. But Job's just sitting there and all of a sudden people are showing up. Hey, all your kids died. Hey, all your wealth was taken away. Hey, all your storehouses blew down. What? Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If the Lord takes it away, it's because it's stopping you from following him. And he's a good God. He doesn't just take it from you. He says, see that thing? Give it up. Follow me. And then we have a choice. Do we do it or not? Are we like this guy? Just walking away? All Shawshank Redemption-y? It's a challenge. You are being challenged by the word of the Lord today. To explore, to ask, to take stock of your life. Where, where am I holding back? Where, where, when I look at my stuff, what thing, when, when the idea of it being removed just scares the living daylights out of me, where is that thing? And then start talking to the Lord about it. What do I do with this thing? Is it stopping me? Is it hindering me from following you? Is it taking a place of preeminence in my heart where you should be? We can do that without fear because the promise is whatever you give up, it will be repaid. I believe that the Lord does this because when he takes it from you, he changes you so that when you get it back, you're not the same person anymore. You no longer worship that thing. You enjoy that thing as God intended. You know, when I was younger, you know, you get you know musicians friend magazine and guitar magazines and you look at the guitars you go, oh, that's the one right there look at it it's magnificent and you 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 almost almost worship it but then you you get older and you're like you know all guitars basically sound the same anybody who tells you differently is ridiculous all guitars sound the same they do <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I may have emphasized that because I saw you walking back in um. There are subtle differences, and there are different styles of guitar, but 
you know, at the end of the day, do you need the $5,000 guitar? Or is the couple hundred dollar guitar going to sustain, you know, you're not going to be Eric Clapton, so just go with the $300 guitar. Why, you start worshipping, you're like, really, you know, that's, that's wrong. And for those of you who don't play guitar, because I think it's just a handful of us, maybe it's a car. Well, that, this car, well, I like Chevy, I like Ford. There's no difference. Like, there might be, but there's not. Well, I got Mac, I got Android, blah, 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 Windows. There's a difference there, but it's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it's like it's it's just stuff at the end of the day. What is the Lord challenging you with today? What is it that you need to give up? Is it something that you think is a, a long-standing tradition that should be kept and it's not being kept and you're like, "Oh, it should be this way." Is it your pride? I guarantee you it's your pride somewhere in there. I know it's my pride. I lay that down. How can I serve when I'm being prideful? Doesn't make any sense, Ben. If you you want to say something, go right ahead. Come on up. And then Tim wanted to say something, and then you can play after. The, the Lord prophesied that Tony was going to say that, so I have a PowerPoint there, and I'm going to explain to you and walk you through how every guitar sounds exactly different. So buckle in, <laughs> take notes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's it's funny, you know. Um, Tony's talking about this recently. Um. You know, this year, the Lord really just put it on my heart that I got to find a way to put up with myself. And ultimately, at the end of the day, um, putting up with ourselves is a difficult thing because we have to wrap our heads around the fact that we are spirits surrounded by humanity, and that's a battle. And I'm reminded, I recently just was reminded of my father, and if you've ever met my father, if you ever heard him read scripture or preach or pray, he's just got a flair for the dramatic uh, he's an actor, and uh, he 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 does plays and stuff like that. But he has this knack to do something, and when he brings the scriptures to life, because he brings a perspective about, and we kind of learned this in Bible school too. When Jesus is preaching, sharing a parable, there's three different perspectives. There's Jesus, the disciples, and the listeners. And recently, the Lord had said to me, you know, start reading the Gospels. But from the perspective of the disciples, and what I've been learning a lot of times is that not going away is realizing that there is a conversion and a sanctification. And Tony was talking about this earlier. He was touching on it. But at the end of the day, what happens is, is we choose to follow Jesus. But the process that follows is a lifelong process. Um, you know, it's taken me five years to lay down some things that I never wanted to let go of beforehand. And, you know, if it took us 20 years to embed ourselves in certain addictions and habits, it, you know, the Lord has been faithful and I've seen him do miraculous deliveries. But other times, you know, there are other people who have to walk through this life and trust in the saving grace of the Lord and believe they're going to be changed. And I would just encourage you to read the Bible and realize that, you know what, while you may not be where you are, or where you want to be, you're not where you were. And the Lord is going to be faithful to do this work in you. Um, the last thing I wanted to say kind of hits on what Ben said. Um, the rich young ruler walked away before he heard this promise from the Lord. Before Jesus said, hey, anybody who gives up stuff for the sake of the kingdom will be repaid plus have eternal life. They'll be repaid now and they'll be paid then. He missed that. He walked away sad. He, just the idea of giving up the stuff was too much for him. 
had he stayed or had he struggled or had he just said, oh, I don't know, he would have heard this promise. There would have been a hope that maybe giving up this stuff changes me in a way that makes me more like Christ. And so, yeah, for some of you, you might give up something like that. For some of you, it might be a lifelong struggle. You might struggle to, to give up your security and your safety every day for the rest of your life. But are you going away? Are you wrestling with the Lord? Or are you walking away from Him? Wrestle with the Lord. Go to His Word. Be challenged by it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. A lot of risk, very dangerous, Lord. We come to bring everything to the table. For those of us who are ready, Lord, that's what we're doing. Some of us, maybe we've done that and, and we've just seen the, the fruit in our lives that, yes, you do indeed repay for those who give up anything for your kingdom. But for the majority of us, there are things that we, we are hesitant and maybe even refuse to put there. And maybe you're not demanding it from us, Lord, and I don't speak on your behalf in that way. I pray that, that you, the God who can enter into the hearts of your people, that you would converse with them what to what we're talking about here today. But Father, if we are being challenged today, I just pray, Lord, whether we give it up or not, I pray that we're not like the rich young man who walked away, who in the face of this challenge just said it was too much and I won't even talk about it. I won't even consider it. I won't wrestle with you about it. I pray, Lord, that we would indeed wrestle you about this. That we would as 1 John says, test the spirits to make sure we're not being tricked or manipulated into giving something up. Father, I pray that we would hear your voice and that we would be like the disciples, Lord. They weren't perfect. They, we see their, their, their tendencies to, to do the wrong thing or to say the wrong thing or, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting to see who's going to be at your right hand and they're arguing with people about, you know, scripture and casting out demons, Lord, but we also see them dropping everything for you. And we see in doing that, Lord, we see these men turn this world upside down. We stand here today reading the word that you use them to write, continuing in worship and and, and in church uh, on their shoulders because you challenged them and they accepted the challenge. It didn't perfect them, it didn't make them better than anybody, but it drew them closer to you. And so that's what we pray for, Lord. Whether we give up everything today or in 10 years or in 20 years, Lord, that we would not walk away today. We give you the praise, the honor and the glory. Help us, Lord, by your strength, Colossians says, by, by your power, may we do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.